Good morning and welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm so pleased that you're here as we worship God together. Uh, you'll find a variety of opportunities listed for you in the bulletin. And one of those opportunities comes in the form of uh, giving and our upcoming drive about stewardship. And I uh, pray that you'll be attentive uh, to that as we move forward into uh, this new year. Another opportunity, uh, since I get to do the announcements this morning, I'm going to plug myself. And that is uh, this afternoon at five o'clock in the West Wing in the large seminar room, I'll be doing a talk on uh, violence in the name of God. Uh, it is largely, uh, largely ba- uh, taken or based, as most all my good stuff is, is on somebody else's work. Uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who has uh, been reviewed both by NPR, David Brooks, CNN, and others on a book, uh, Not In My Name. And we'll be looking at, um, is religion really the cause of violence? What, what is the role and how can we as people of faith be a part of the solution to uh, violence and terrorism around the world. So I invite you um, as uh, as you're able and willing this afternoon at 5 o'clock. And then finally on uh, January 31st, Diane and I will be starting a group at uh, 3.30 in the afternoon on Sunday. And it will be a group that uh, we actually, uh, I piloted this fall, where we'll have an hour and a half to look at the scriptures for the upcoming uh, week so that when you come in a Sunday, uh, uh, you will have already received from God the word, and, and uh, we hope the sermon will uh, confirm, add, uh, or even uh, challenge that. And so if you're interested in that opportunity, we'll have an announcement about that in the bulletin next Sunday. But we're here to worship God, our Redeemer, and so I invite you to turn your attention uh, toward God at this time.
Would you stand and join me in the call to worship as it's printed in your bulletins? We wake to the forgiveness of a new day. We wake to the freedom to begin again. We wake to the mercy of the sun's redeeming light. Always new, always gift, always blessing. We wake to the forgiveness of this new day. Our hymn is number 400, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Responsibly with me, Psalm 146, as it is printed in your bulletins. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. Praise the Lord. As we do praise the Lord together, I ask that you would stand and greet one another with signs of Christ's peace. Send the children forward for their time with Debbie. The peace of Christ be with you all.
Good morning. Why aren't they asking me to do the solos up there? That's weird, isn't it? Y'all, what's going on? You good? Okay, here's what happens. I'm on a walk the other day. I have my favorite headphones in, and then I got home, and I couldn't find my stinking headphones anywhere. So I went and looked in my car, and they weren't there. And then I went and looked in my room, and they weren't there. Then I went and looked in my office, and they weren't there. I looked everywhere, and then it turned to be nighttime, so then it was dark, and I thought, well, great, now I'm going to have to buy a whole new pair of headphones. What am I going to look with? What do I have? I only have my eyes. And then I remembered, bum, 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 on my flashlight I have on my phone, and I went right back to my car where I'd been looking all day long, and guess what? Right in the same spot when I put that dumb light on it, there were my headphones right there. And they were just staring at me like, we've been here the whole time. Made me so mad. And then I heard about what we were talking about in church today. And Pastor Matt, who's my buddy back there, look at him. Does he look nice? He's real nice. He's got a big furry beard. He's talking about bringing light into the darkness. And guess what I thought about? That's what God did at Christmas time. He sent us a human flashlight named Jesus. And then you know what Jesus said? I am the light of the world. He said, I am the flashlight for the world. And then later on, even better, he said that you and you and you and you and you and you can be the flashlight for the world. And he says, yay, I know, that's a good one, right? You you go and be a flashlight. So you know how we do that? Real easy. Love God, love others. Pretty simple, huh? Does anybody here go to T-Bar-M? Have you ever seen that at T-Bar-M? How they have on the wall, you have to walk through it and walk out of it. Not on a wall, it's like on a thing up in the air. It says, love God, love others. That's how we're going to be flashlights. Y'all think we can do that? I say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Will y'all pray with me? Yes, ma'am. Dear God, thank you for sending your very own son to light up the dark places so we could see you better. Thank you for each and every one of these kids and all the big kids out behind them. They are a flashlight to show the world you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
as we come to our time of prayer today to intercede on behalf of others and our world, I want to share the joys and concerns of our church family. And we do have a wonderful joy to celebrate, actually two joys. We want to wish Nate Hannah a happy 97th birthday today. And God bless Nate. He still ushers. What a wonderful gift you are to us, Nate. But in addition, we also want to celebrate the fact that Nate and Barbara are celebrating their 74th wedding anniversary. So stand up, both of you. We're so glad Barbara is here with us. It is a joy to celebrate these milestones of uh, our church family members, but we are also aware that there are many who need our prayers this day, and I would share with you those who are uh, in need of our prayers for healing, those who have been hospitalized or are still recovering. We want prayers for Erwin Meyer, Jeff Hetrick, Ruth Carlson, and continue prayers for Barbara Wright and also Joe Metter. And then prayers for Perry Finger as he will have surgery this coming Tuesday. We also want to lift up uh, Dina McElhaney and her family in the death of her mother, Marcia Cato, in Fort Worth. As we remember these and others that are on our hearts, I invite you to join with me as we kneel or bow for a time of prayer together. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, divine Redeemer, we thank you for the breadth and depth and inclusiveness of your heart toward us ever welcoming all who come to you, offering your love and your forgiveness and your grace. We ask in these moments that you would create our hearts anew with that same grace and love, filling us with your compassion, mercy, and peace as we pray. Christ of mercy, bring healing to those we have named and all those who are sick. And by your Holy Spirit, comfort the sorrowing. Christ of compassion, teach us to see each person as your beloved son or daughter and to treat all with respect and honor. Christ of freedom, Use us to be instruments of justice to help those who are trapped and limited in life by all the evils of this world. Christ of peace, speak to the turmoil that exists all around us and shield our hearts from fear or anger or hatred that we may indeed Love others. Christ of righteousness, you raise up prophets to teach us your ways and to call us to new visions of a beloved community where all are welcome, valued, and loved. This day we thank you for your servant, Dr. Martin Luther King, who spoke out for justice and righteousness and worked to make them reality. Inspire us, too, with your Holy Spirit to be bold in proclaiming and living out your gospel of amazing grace and unlimited love. Redeeming God, God who loves all people, we lift up to you the people of Burundi and all places where there is political unrest, where there is suffering and dying and struggling. We pray for your Holy Spirit presence to be among your faithful 
and to bring your redeeming love to all. Indeed, renew our minds and hearts that we may be the light of Christ for the world. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And we join our voices in the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. and acolytes come forward for the morning offering. I would remind you of the ritual of friendship and ask that at some point during the service you would fill in your attendance here and pass it on to your neighbor. Would you join me in the offertory prayer? Let us pray. Loving God, faithful and gracious forever, you love us more than we love ourselves. You believe in us more than we believe in ourselves. You call us to walk with Christ and to be more than we ever thought possible. Take our gifts, receive our thanks, accept our praise, through Jesus Christ. Amen.
Would you please remain standing and join me in reciting the Shema that our Lord Jesus would have recited every day of his life. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Our scripture this reading this morning begins in the sixth chapter from the prophet Micah. Hear now the word of the Lord. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. And then from Zechariah in Luke's first chapter. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. This morning we continue on our sermon series talking about the different roles of God and we will focus this morning on the role of God as Redeemer, on redemption. This week I began to think of the different ideas we have of redemption. Uh, I thought of things we make right and things that we bring to wholeness, of ways we restore things by our own actions. I thought of a situation for all you baseball fans out there where someone comes off the bench cold into the game and invariably the ground ball is hit directly to them. There's an error and the player is not out. And then later in the inning, that same player turns a double play and he is said to have redeemed his actions and made up for his wrong. I think also of the great comedy movie Dumb and Dumber where they're heading west for miles and miles heading to Colorado and they switch drivers, which point... The other driver goes to sleep, and the new driver drives east and backtracks more than half of the way. The other guy gets out of the car and kind of casts him aside and won't be with him anymore, to which his buddy goes and sells the van for a small scooter and comes back, to which his friend says, when I didn't think you could do anything dumber, you go and do this and totally redeem yourself. There is a reality in life that we think that we can redeem ourselves. And I'm here to assure you this morning that we can't. Uh, The deeper work of redemption that we'll talk about this morning can only be done by God himself. Our scriptures this morning highlight the reality that God is redeemer. This is a role that he has, that he plays, that we do not need to play. As David says, we partner with God in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. We partner with God in doing the work of redemption. But make no mistake, when we set out to do the difficult work of redemption, it is primarily a work of God in our lives, and we are merely joining him in that work. Redemption is making broken things healed, in making wrong things right, in bringing wholeness to a situation. We use the phrase from our Hebrew roots, tikkun alam, of bringing all the broken pieces back together. There's a reality throughout scripture where God talks about his desire to bring restoration to all of creation. There is a redemption in this work, in this process, that is part of the plan of God that he invites us to join him on. But this is a work that is difficult to go out and make change in out around us. And as we have looked at recently, I'll remind you again this morning, this work of redemption begins with us. It begins first in our hearts, in our relationship to God. Recently in a teaching to the staff, David talked about how we need to take the steps to own up for what we have done in a situation. So we're not going out into the world and saying, oh, the problems are out there. We're trying uh, to fix a broken world, but rather look at our contribution to it, at our part, at what we can change in ourselves and how that can lead uh, to to a more redeemed place, a fixed place. But at the end of the teaching, he slowed down and reminded us of one very crucial first step. He said, before you go and look at what you have contributed to these problems, it is crucial that you are able to look in the mirror and see someone who is holy and dearly loved, set apart by the love and grace and forgiveness of God. And if we are unable to do that, David warned us, And we are unable to take these hard looks at ourselves. 
We have to start in the place of God being our Redeemer before we can partner with this deep work of bringing the light of redemption to a dark world. It begins with God's work in the world and then us accepting and receiving that reality that we are his beloved, that he has redeemed us. Paul in the scriptures reminds us that Jesus came to do the work that the law was unable to do. As we were given tasks and rules and outlines to follow and partner with that, we fell short. This is not something we can do on our own. This is a redemption that is brought by God. But it is responding to this love and grace in the world that allows us to be changed and transformed through God's love. Donna, in her beautiful prayer, highlighted the reality of the celebration this week as we remember and celebrate the life of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, a man who lived as a redeemed person by God, who not only saw it and lived it and experienced for himself, but saw ways that we and the world could be changed. And through experiencing that redemption, invited us to imagine, to dream, to even experience and taste and live into a new redeemed reality. Dr. Martin Luther King was an example, a wonderful example, of a person redeemed by the love of God who invited those around him to experience that same redemption themselves. This is the call of redemption by God to us. He as Redeemer and us to receive that redemption. But I'm going to warn you this morning, it is not a small work to receive this reality of redemption. The part that God plays will always be a bigger part than ourselves. But I am going to share with you a few things that I have learned about how God invites us to live into this work of redemption first for ourselves and then being changed for the world. And I apologize, but it is not easy work. There's a reality that I have discovered in being married that I am constantly confronted by some of the things that I do that aren't as I would seem as they are. Being around my spouse, I am constantly shown a different perspective for myself, for how I am in the world, for how my actions affect others. And it's not something that I can ignore or go home alone and not confront. And in that, I have to take a look at the reality of what I do, and I come to the conclusion that I am broken, that I am hurt, that I have done wrong, and most importantly, that I am in need of redemption. This, in my opinion, is one of the first and crucial steps to me discovering that need of redemption and receiving it. I have to be open to the reality that I am in need of it, that I have done wrong. And I would encourage many of you that have been through this process to remember that and be sensitive with this, that this is something we can't teach somebody else about, but it's something that God, through his Holy Spirit, convicts us of. I love that scripture that reminds us it is the kindness of God that welcomes us to repentance. There is a reality of God's grace and God's love that is assured that goes before us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us that allows me to look at my need for that redemption. Just as David said, until we're able to know that we are beloved, it's hard to look in the mirror at those difficult things. But this work of redemption begins with that discovery. I am in need of being redeemed. After my time at school, I began meeting with a mentor in our community, and she recommended a book by a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer entitled The Cost of Discipleship. Bonhoeffer, as many of you know, was a man who lived with deep conviction and deep faith and lived out a redeemed life, seeking to change things around him by being redeemed himself. As many of you have experienced, Bonhoeffer does not pull punches and invites us to look at the different difficult things in our lives. In The Cost of Discipleship, he walks us through the process of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and there are many transformative measures that he invites us to partake of. One that stuck out to me was the passage where Jesus highlights, it is not for us to go to the altar and give our gift, but first we go to others and be reconciled, and then come back and give our gift. 
Convicted by this passage, I was forced to put down the book and really take a hard look at the things that I had done in my life to others that were hurtful. I started at the top of a page and made a list of all the people I could think about that I had hurt in substantial ways and not done anything about it. The list reached back many years in my life. I had to go through many lengths to find ways to connect with these people. But one by one, I called them up, reintroduced myself in some situations, apologized for what I had done, and owned up for it. It was a difficult process as I faced the hard things that I had done to hurt others, but the response to it was monumental. I was met with forgiveness from person after person. They assured me that they had forgiven me in the past and forgive me still, and the only remorse that was expressed was the broken relationship that flowed from that pain. I was brought much healing and much grace from this process, but it was very difficult. A powerful process that I recommend to many of you. Another process for redemption that I would share with you is a process about dealing with conflict. Growing up in a house of three boys, dealing with conflict is very easy or simple, as many of you would call brutal or barbaric. If someone's doing something you don't like, you call them names, or you tell them to stop, or you force them to stop with force. Many of you will be glad to know I have not continued on these approaches in my marriage. (laughs) Through premarital counseling, we were equipped with a process for nonviolent communication, where, where we... That wasn't just in reference to that. That's actually what it's called. It begins with the actor owning with I statements how they were affected from the situation. So I would go to my spouse and say, I felt this way when this went on, and this is what I need. No longer could I use fists or name-calling to settle disputes. There is a reality in this process that requires great strength. It requires a large amount of vulnerability, I found, for me to own up to my own hurt, to express that to the person that had hurt me, and then take the time to discover what I specifically needed and articulate that in a clear way to someone who had just hurt me. I found this to be something that requires deep vulnerability, deep reflection, and deep trust. All things that I am regret, will regret, regretfully inform you are still things I am working on. But as conflicts ensued early on, fortunately mostly done by me, I found that this process was helpful to bring to bear a much deeper relationship. There was a level of fear and concern as conflicts arose, but as we dealt with these I was surprised to find how much more close and intimate I was with my spouse. Working through these conflicts, I thought, would bring hurt and pain. They brought healing and restoration and redemption. And it brought us closer than ever. I would suggest to you all a rhythm that a mentor suggested to me. It's, in a sense, a combination of these two tools But I would only suggest them as you've walked through these previous steps as they are very difficult to learn in my experience. My mentor suggested that at the end of the week she would sit down with a piece of paper and go through her week day by day, thinking about the things she had done, first focusing on how she had treated other people. She would make a list of the ways that she had treated those around her and highlight things that were out of line that she needed to go back and apologize for. And then the next day, the first day of the week, she would seek to restore those relationships, bringing redemption. A second list she would make for her week was how she received things, how she felt. And she would highlight the hurts and pains that she felt and then make a goal in the next day of the week to go and share those hurts and pains and invite the people back to restored relationship. I will admit this is a difficult thing for me to do. It takes time, reflection, maturity, a great deal of strength and vulnerability, 
to open up to others who have hurt you and accept the wrongs that you have done. And as our wise rabbi reminded us this week, it's only something that I would suggest you do in the light of your knowledge and reception of being God's true beloved, forgiven by his love and grace. But I will encourage you that this is the work of redemption that God invites us to in the world. We spoke earlier of Martin Luther King, a man fully redeemed and transformed by the love of God who could see a reality different than the pain and discrimination he experienced on a daily basis, so much so that he could invite us to join him in that new redeemed reality. In my experience, these small steps in our personal relationships are great leaps in our healing, in our wholeness, and our ability to continue to live in God's grace in our daily lives. I encourage you that while these things are difficult, they help to tear down the walls of division between us, our God, and those around us. Living into this redemption radically transforms us, our lives, our hearts. This is the true, set-free, loved person that God believes we can live into. This is the goal of redemption that God invites us to. And as redeemed people, we live in the world shining our light into dark places to transform it. I invite you this week to take a hard look at the difficult things that you have been through and the redemption that God invites you to. The freedom that this brings is amazing. This is the redeemed life that God offers us. Amen. I invite you to stand as we join together in our closing hymn, that it might be our prayer this morning. Let us pray together. 
O God, as we leave, let us remember that it is by your goodness we were born into this world. By your grace we have been kept all the day long, even unto this hour. And by your love, fully revealed in the face of Jesus, we are being redeemed. Amen. As we go from this place back into the world, we go as the redeemed of God. And as God's redeemed, beloved children, let us offer his redemption to others, that our lights may indeed shine into the darkness of this world and bring new life and new hope. Go now with this ancient blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon each of you and give us all his peace. Amen.